0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenkin. Desi, let's start out by thanking our Patreon contributors. They donated over at Patreon.com slash Hollywood Scene. This week we had Bella, Charlie, Alexander, Savannah, Casey, Disco Dottie, UK, Oba and Che, Kim, Elizabeth, Casey, Christy, James, Sarah, Rhiannon, Elby, Tricia, Talea,
1: Michelle, and Timothy. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay. So... We're back for part two of The Bling Ring. Uh, I'm going to just give us a little update or recap where we left off. Yeah. We left off. The Bling Ring had just robbed the home of Orlando Bloom and Miranda Kerr. Rachel Lee and Diana Tamayo have just been busted for shoplifting at Sephora. So Rachel decided to go live with her dad in Vegas, sensing it's getting kind of dicey in LA. And Nick heads... um, He drives her to Vegas and then heads back to Calabasas, unaware of her arrest. So while Rachel is in Vegas, shit does not calm down for the rest of the gang. They aren't really robbing as much anymore, but they're out partying and doing a ton of drugs. Although he misses Rachel, Nick is definitely enjoying his more chill lifestyle with Courtney, Alexis, and Tess. But things start to go downhill in the partying arena as well. Courtney Ames and Nick Prugo are in a car accident after they drank from midnight to seven a.m. at Miyago's bar, Miyagi's bar on Sunset. Have you is that a bar you know? Miyagi's. I do know
0: Miyagi's. Does I that still know,
1: exist? I don't know, but I think I've been there once. Okay, now this is a pretty bad car accident. Courtney breaks her collarbone and is charged with a DUI, and it's only going to get worse. Worse. Now. Rachel comes back for her shoplifting hearing on August 20th, 2009. her and Diana are fined and sentenced sentenced to a year's probation. but that didn't mean Rachel wasn't already scheming to get back into burglaries while she was in LA. She still had one big conquest on her wish list, style icon and by this time, pretty much an unmitigated mess, Lindsay Lohan. Is she a style icon? Uh, I guess for some people. Didn't she have a bunch of campaigns for a while, like Mew Mew? She did Mew Mew in like 2007. Yeah, so this is 2009. I guess she's still clinging to some of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so, but these kids did, right? Uh, I mean, sure. Look, she was a very big Hollywood actress. She's one of she's probably the biggest one they hit. I mean, outside of Orlando Bloom, like mm. the biggest star, right? Yeah. Now they decide to hit up her new home in the Hollywood Hills on August 23rd. It's the OG group, it's Rachel, Diana, and Nick going to this house. Nick claims he didn't want to do it, saying that they had to conceal themselves more now due to the surveillance video that was already out with them from Audrina Partridge. And due to Diana and Rachel's mugshots being available now to people like cops or detectives. uh, So, they had to cover up more now, which made him feel a little more suspicious since their usual MO was just blatantly walking in with no disguise as if they're just teenagers who live in the area. So now they're actually putting some effort. Now they're kind of concealing their identity a little bit more. So he felt like, he according to him, I didn't even want to go to Lindsay's house because I, fe- I had a feeling if anything was taken in the way of surveillance videos, it would be released now too, for sure. Uh, so- When they get to Lohan's house, all the doors are locked, so they have to actually pry open a window with a screwdriver and Rachel or Diana shimmy in and then open up the door for others. Both of them deny it was them who shimmied in, so we don't know. There's no alarm set, so... That worked out well. Nick said the house was a disaster and looked like the home of a compulsive shopper with bags of clothes everywhere, most with tags still on them. That's not surprising at all. I will say Lindsay Lohan, although I don't consider
0: her style particularly awesome, she did like to shop.
1: Well, and she probably got a lot of free shit. Oh, yeah. So... I'm. I like. For some reason, I just completely bought that when they went into her house, she had just. It was a disaster. yes She had also just broken up with Samantha Ronson. Oh. They were living together, so I think she had only been there a short time, so it was probably like nothing but away, uh, etc. Oh, I saw them at Gelson's once. Oh, really? Yeah, in 2008, I believe. Samantha follows me on Twitter, and she comments a lot. And like, think I think the other day I posted because I was listening to Foreigner, and she's like, "That's my dad." <laughs> Oh my God, Samantha, do you listen to the show? Hey, Samantha. I know. I was like, we should have her on. Uh, She's like very friendly. So it's just funny because it's like she's obviously her own person, but that's how I probably learned about her when she started dating Lindsay Lohan. Right. Uh, Anyway, now Diana and Rachel were in fucking heaven when they were going. It was just like bags and bags of clothes. Uh, According to Nick, they were freaking out over Lindsay's stuff. Now, of course, once again, there's nothing for Nick. Uh, if anything, like he was getting boyfriend stuff. And like I just said, Lindsay had just broken up with Samantha Ronson. So she didn't even have like boyfriend shoes lying around. All he got was a juicy t-shirt. And just to make this incredibly 2009, a painting of an Ed Hardy skull. <laughs>
0: Oh, and they all got a bunch of liquid
1: leggings. Now, exactly. Now, they took close to $130,000 worth of clothes and jewelry from Lindsay Lohan. Holy and that's shit. all Nick guts Like, why is he doing this? Uh, so now Lindsay uh, was out in Malibu that night, and she arrived home at 3.30 a.m. And despite her home looking like a disaster, she immediately saw that something was off and called the police. Now, Nick said he drops Rachel off at the Burbank airport the next morning so she could head back to Vegas. And he he recalled a moment where he was watching her walk into the airport, wearing Lindsay Lohan's clothes, holding one of her purses and rolling her luggage into the airport. (laughs) Jesus, He's like, I thought I was looking at Lindsay Lohan. Like, that's how much the style just looked exactly like her. He said that that was the first time he thought that she was insane and that nothing would ever happen to her. Like, that was that's his first moment he realized this well it is just so brazen now nick said that he left her from the airport and he had such a sick feeling that they were going to get caught after this one that he immediately moved all of his stolen stuff to his grandma's house now, despite this, a week after Rachel went back to Vegas, Nick robs the home of Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox. He had long felt bitter, like I mentioned earlier, that they were always hitting up women and he never got fashion for himself. So... Dude. <laughs> He also thought, besides, they had already done all the like the reconnaissance or surveillance on the place, Like, so he's like, it was easy to do. And the icing on the cake, it would piss Rachel off or make her jealous. So there was a lot of psychological shit going on in this relationship. Because this he point. was going without her. Yes. And like he was proving that he didn't need her to do one. He went to the home with Courtney and another girl, and Nick... Almost as a fuck you to Rachel went back to the stealth stealing where they would just take a modest amount of stuff from the closet. They also took a Rolex and a gun, but they didn't leave the house and any sort of disarray that the person would notice right away. They went back for a second round the next day and Brian didn't notice anything was missing for many weeks. And I think he was looking for the watch or something and right. noticed it was missing. So on August 26th, the LAPD with Lindsay Lohan's permission released her surveillance video to TMZ. Now there were two videos circulating Lohan's and Partridge's and tips started pouring in to uh, as to the thieves' identities. Uh, On September 1st, 2009, an unidentified tipster informed police that Lee and Prugo were responsible for the Lohan burglary, claiming they had overheard them bragging about their exploits at a party. Prugo's face had been captured on the camera at the home, so they were able to confirm that it might be him. It's still like... The, all of the video is very fuzzy and like not great, but it was like close enough that they could be like, hmm. And police determined through Facebook and social media that these two were friends. So they could kind of see all the gang who were friends and like the stuff they were wearing, et cetera. Because they're posting tons of pictures uh, with these clothes on. They're, they're just obviously unable to afford probably because they're super expensive. Now, uh, they kind of also at this point had enough information to think, oh, Hey, there's a connection between all these burglaries. They didn't have, they didn't think they were connected at this point until they got the second surveillance video. Yeah. So another tips are called in that looking back police or detectives think might've been one of the other burglarers turning on the main two, but they never nailed down who that was. Arrest warrants are issued for Prugo and Rachel Lee they can't go after Rachel because she's out of state and they don't have enough evidence to get an out-of-state warrant, but they are able to get one for Nick Prugo. He is the first to be arrested on September 17th. When police go to his house, they have like guns drawn. It is like squat What is it? Squat team? No. Squat. Squat. (laughs) SWAT team. (laughs) SWAT team. The the squat Squat team. I knew that was wrong the minute it came out. Nick, get out here and do some squats. Some squats. I'm Billy Blanks. (laughs) Uh, So guns are drawn. They're searching for stolen property to arrest him. Uh, They were able to seize a few items, but not much more because he had moved all that stuff to his grandmother's house. And that really saved him his ass that day. One thing they did find in his room was sunglasses that they thought were Orlando blooms. Nick said, I may have bought them (laughs) with stolen money, but I didn't steal those. Like he did buy those. So Nick, obviously this is not a great moment for him. His mom is in fucking tears because she has no idea what's going on. And he felt a great deal of shame about this, but he cooperated with police without revealing anything and was quickly released on $20,000 bail. Now, A funny thing in the book is that Nick's dad is like a a distributor for feature films and his movie was getting released right at this time, Paranormal Uh Activity. Uh Oh, that was his dad? Yeah, he he was the distributor on that. I mean that like his dad was involved in that. Yes, so he was like, and his name is also Nick (laughs) Prugo. So it was like this really, his dad was like, pissed. Yeah. Like this is my big moment. And now my name is in the news for you being arrested. So anyway, they did not attempt to arrest Rachel yet, as I mentioned before. And she's chill after Nick is arrested. She's like, Nick, just follow, (laughs) follow the plan, deny everything. She starts implementing her own little plan to distract detectives from the truth. She plants some stories with TMZ that Nick was on the set of Lindsay's movie Labor Pains hanging out. TMZ publishes the stories that she might've had connections to her alleged burglars and comments on the site quickly start popping up that Nick was probably her Coke dealer and that she was in on the burglaries to get attention. (gasps) So her little scheme worked. Like people started turning on Lohan acting like she was in on it uh, oh, as fuck. Well. Now, she continues to try to convince Nick that it's all going to blow over if he just keeps quiet. And she was probably right. There was really no hard evidence because they didn't find any stolen goods. Their surveillance photo, as I mentioned, was kind of grainy. But then Nick did the inexplicable he confessed to everything. So, <laughs> this is like a complete. Dostoevsky crime and punishment. Like he could not take the pressure and the guilt of what was happening. His hair was falling out. He was losing weight. He was like, he couldn't sleep. Like it was the telltale heart, like all of those kind of stories where he could not keep his act together. Um, At some point the previous year at Miyagi's bar, he had met a lawyer named Sean Ehrenstoft and he called this guy after he was arrested to represent him he after he unloaded all this stress on Sean, uh, he said that he wanted Sean to find a detective he trusted and that he could confess to. Sean contact- contacted Detective Brett Goodkin at the Hollywood Station, and Nick confessed everything, including things that the detect- detectives didn't even know the Bling Ring had done. Like he went above and beyond. Uh, I mean, at the time, people were like, it seemed inexplicable for a lawyer to advocate for his client, speaking to the cops like this. Um, but Nick really wanted to do it because it was the right thing to do. Like that was him, and no one could stop him from doing this. Search warrants at this point are issued for the homes of Rachel, Diana, Courtney, Alexis, Roy, and Johnny Dangerous. Diana is uh, hit first, and they found numerous luxury goods that she claimed to have bought at a swap meet. She would eventually to confess um, confess to the Lohan burglary only. When Courtney is arrested, she said that Nick's, Nick was the brains, Rachel was the balls, and Diana was the lookout. She was the most, like, get me a lawyer and refuse to say anything, but she did dish on, like, the other people. Next up was Ray, Roy Lopez, who refused to rat, but eventually told detectives he could make a phone call and get back all of Paris's stuff, that Louis Vuitton bag full of jewels. Uh, So he makes this phone call and returns. It it doesn't say how he knew where it was or anything like that. No, he was the guy who just took absolutely everything from, from Paris's jewelry closet. Yes, and just shoved it in this Louis Vuitton bag. And they couldn't sell it, so they put it into storage, kind of hoping to wait it out. It was costume jewelry. It was half costume jewelry and half stuff that was so expensive and recognizable that it would be almost impossible to sell. Heirlooms. Yeah, heirlooms. Now, Johnny would eventually turn himself and also not admit to anything. Okay. So Alexis nears, it may seem unbelievable now, but the day (laughs) she gets arrested is the day she is starting to film the first day of filming for her E Hollywood E I'm sorry, E reality show pretty wild. That's the first day of filming. They go out partying at some club, come back at like dawn from this party and the reality crew follows her home. And pretty much within moments of arriving, the police are there. The, I can't not say squat team. <laughs> <laughs> the, SWAT, the SWAT team are basically there while the cameras are rolling. You just know E is like, oh, hell yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a mixture of Of like, oh, hell yeah. And like, oh, well, maybe this will be too big. yeah Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're fucked. Like, I'm sure it's like on that line because they don't really know yet what the deal is. So according to Alexis, the police are screaming that they're here and that we needed to leave the premises. They're outside in the driveway. They're in full SWAT uniforms. Uh, So they're basically on this house and just like not letting anyone move or take anything. Why do they need a SWAT team for something? I have no idea. This is insane. I don't know why. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, what indication did you have that these people would do anything to fight back? Or like, like these these are kids. You bring a fucking SWAT team because they
0: stole a bunch of shit. Like, right. Come on guys.
1: Now this, this is also the first indication of we, we have of Alexis and Andrea, her mom's relationship. Um, She's like this. She's in an interview right now telling the story about when the SWAT team arrived. And at some point, Andrea interrupts her and she's like, I'd like you to stop talking. I'm sorry. She talks in every interview. I just don't want her to say anything. That's Alexis's quote from this interview where she's like, And then the SWAT team came and her mom interrupts her and she's like, Excuse me, can you stop talking? So this is after she's been arrested. Yes. This is like a this is her being interviewed after the fact talking about the day of her arrest. Uh, So she mentions in this interview, she's crying her, her sister Tess, who's not really her bio sister is crying. Uh, Her biological dad was there. Uh, They're estranged. Her parents are divorced. He's there every morning. The mom interrupts again. There's more to that story. (laughs) He doesn't really have a place right now. Alexis, I would like you to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) So Alexis is a nightmare. She claims to have receipts for the Chanel necklace they find that they think is Paris Hilton's and a bl- a bag that they think might belong to Rachel Bilson, but she never provides them. She screams her, um, she's screaming at everyone in the reality show, uh, or she's screaming her innocence in the reality show production believes her initially. They're like, okay. Andrea, by the way, arrives at the station that morning when she, her daughter's taken in, she's still mic'd for the reality show, and she's talking to the lawyer. At some point they're like, uh, <laughs> we can hear all this confidential <laughs> lawyer. I mean, it's just like a mess. So, according to one of the producers that day, it was supposed to be a show about two party girls on the Hollywood scene, but then Alexis got arrested the first mo- morning of filming, and we were like, Okay. <laughs> So pretty much what you said, it was like, roll with it, I guess. Now, on October 22nd, uh, Rachel, as I mentioned, is at her dad's in Vegas and her home is raided. They even find the white fedora she was wearing, Adrena's video. And Rachel was like, that's mine. I have the receipts. <laughs> they all have the receipts. <laughs> I imagine admitting it. Uh, they find... Um, so. The LAPD report says that during the warrant service, Lee asked several officers if they would release her if she told them where everything is. Hypothetically, she said, let's say I might know where the property is located and who has it. How could that help me? (laughs) (laughs) She's, She's a little schemer. You got to kind of admire it. Now, while being interviewed, Rachel also asked detectives if they had spoken to any sp- celebrities about what happened, including Lindsay Lohan. And then when they said they had, she said, "What did Lindsay Lohan say?" <laughs> like she the cops were kind of shocked that she didn't really seem concerned about what was happening to her but was kind of like gossipy and like oh my god what did lindsay lohan say the report stated that she believed she had removed all incriminating evidence from her home however they found a coat identified as belonging to lindsay lohan it was like a A custom-made fur coat, and they found the topless pictures of Hilton, the ones I mentioned last week that she had left in her safe. Now, seeing this, Lee was reported to have instantly turned hysterical, acting as though she were suddenly sick and gagging as if she was going to vomit. Other items reported to have been seized that day were a jar of marijuana and more than $20,000 in $100 bills. Cops went back to, I think they took some stuff and had it identified by Lindsay Lohan's assistant. And then they went back to arrest Rachel. Um, and then they said to her, I think they were like, come on, let's go. TMZ is here or something as a joke. And she asked them if she could put makeup on. And then they they told her that TMZ wasn't there. They were joking. And she was visibly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Like her thinking like let me put some makeup on please i mean that's fair absolutely tmz's brutal look if you're going to be arrested you want to you want to be on that uh mugshot hotties <laughs> list right absolutely <laughs> so on october 23rd tmz releases video of diana courtney and alexis all in the backseat of a police car going from the hollywood station to the van nuys holding cell where they would be held pending bail. Tess, meanwhile, started playing defense. She claimed she thought Nick was a stylist, and when she heard he was arrested, she returned all the clothing that she got from Nick, saying uh, that she had no idea where it came from. When he gave it to her, Nick said, yeah, that never happened. (laughs) So she was probably new. Now, People Magazine reports at the time that the members, except for Lee, were all booked for residential burglary with bail set at $50,000. Um, A pic of Alexis being released looking really hot with Tess and her little sister Gabby really makes the case explode. And Alexis gives a quote to the paparazzi or reporters who are there when they're released saying, I didn't do jack shit. This is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Now, some people, this is like... People were really outraged by this thievery, but at the same time, there was a lot of people who were like, hell yeah, it's like a Robin Hood story, like these like teens stealing from rich people. So it was definitely like this story that took off because of that dual kind of uh, thing, I think. And these kids were like good looking and like whatever. So these they were kind of feeling like kings and celebrities themselves now. Three weeks after their arrest, once they were all out on bail, Courtney has a birthday party at LaDue, and she <laughs> posts on Facebook that she wants an NOS tank, like a nitrous oxide tank for her party. Other Bling Ring members are at the party, and Nick is invited, but he doesn't show up. So this is after their arrest. They're still kind of like they're like in it, like they're getting their pictures taken as if they're celebrities. It's great. So at some point, uh Oh, the book, Nancy Jo Sales, the author of the book, she remembered how quickly the saga of the bling ring became an international uh, sensation. She said... It involved kids, celebrities, crime, the internet, surveillance, fashionistas, shopping, luxury brands. It was very potent pop culture cocktail. It immediately sparked the interest of almost every major news outlet. When she attended these kids' arraignments in the upcoming months, it would be mobs of reporters and cramp camera crews like covering this story. Um, Paris Hilton, on October 29th, is uh, approached by a TMZ reporter Asking what she thinks of this whole uh, thing. They say, what do you think of the burglar bunch? And she says on camera, they're scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> She's like going to a club. Oh, or it's a Chinese, it's going to Philippe, a Chinese restaurant in LA. Do you remember that restaurant? I don't remember Philippe. Although it's a Chinese restaurant, it seems like one I would have hit. Now... On November 16th, Alexis Nears arrives at Los Angeles Superior Court for her arraignment with her e-reality crew in tow. Her show, as I mentioned, was originally about this party girl, and now it's this criminal justice (laughs) fucking trial. Will this girl go to jail or not? She's being charged that day with one count of residential burglary on Orlando Bloom's home. Uh, In addition to her reality crew, like I mentioned, every major news, Good Morning America, TMZ, are all waiting outside the courthouse. Um, She is an ex, you know, pole dancing instructor and like a hip hop. Like, so they're all like, that's like her hook. This former hip hop pole dancing instructor, I doubt she did it that long because she's like 18. (laughs) She shows up wearing a tweed miniskirt, a pink sweater, and this will become a point of contention. Six-inch Christian Louboutin heels. Uh, she does mention to the cameras that she has a pretty cool shoe collection going on right now. We'll get more into those heels later. Oh, <laughs> believe I believe me, really we will. I know about the heels. <laughs> so Alexis agrees to several interviews with Nancy Joe Sales because she is writing about the case for Vanity Fair. Alexis uh, believes that this, for some reason, is a puff piece about her and like. Is sort of you know all about her and her life as a reality star and da da da. It's absolutely not. It, it has always been about the bling ring. I can't imagine why she thought this except that she's probably a huge narcissist. Um, at the first interview, she does ri- arrive wearing Louboutins, and she tells Nancy Joe Sales that she has gotten them at a secondhand store called It's a Wrap. Is that a story you've been to? I (laughs) I have been to It's a Wrap. (laughs) It sounds good. It's like a luxury consignment, right? It's fine. She really throws Nick under the bus in this first interview with Nancy Joe Alexis? Yes. She says they're never friends. She never liked him. She just thought he was a bad influence on Tess. Her lawyer is there, obviously constantly mouthing things like no, (laughs) and trying to interject when she starts revealing too much to Nancy Joe. The mom is also there being annoying. Alexis claims Nick was just trying to become a character on her reality show, which is probably true, right? There's always the friends who's trying to get in. At some points... At some point, Alexis is annoyed that she's being told to shut up by her mom again and says, how dare she tell her to shut up? <laughs> like, her mom tells her to shut up, I think, for once. She proclaims to Nancy, though, that Joe, that she cannot fucking wait for her day in court. She looks forward to kicking ass, being found not guilty, and telling her story, which she says is so powerful. Oh. understand. <laughs> On December 1st, 2009, Alexis arrives at her preliminary hearing with Nancy Joe Sales and Cho, this time, and her reality TV crew. She pleads not guilty in a baby voice. Not guilty, Your Honor. Is that what she says? <laughs> yeah. Makes a statement to the press on the courtroom steps and then. Goes to the parking garage with her lawyer who discusses the case for the reality show cameras. He's being fed lines by the producer and redoing things. Uh, So it's already starting with the reality cameras being like, okay, now say it this way, but say it this way. Like, it's also fake. Like, (sighs) it is. When you see the behind the scenes of reality, it is just gross how much of it is fed to them and redone. And like, you know, it's fake, but then to see how fake it is sometimes is crazy. This is like when they have lawyers on 90 Day Fiance. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
0: They'll have like an immigration lawyer sometimes. And it's like, this isn't the real meeting they had because this is
1: is confidential information. And they're choosing exactly what information that's usually relevant to a fight they just had or something like (laughs) that. So the lawyer, I can't remember if he says this to camera or for the reality show camera. He says at some point, somebody's lying. It's a game of Clue, except Colonel Mustard, it's Paris Hilton in a tattoo parlor with the iPhone. <laughs> that's the line he says. He
0: didn't it that. It doesn't even make sense. He didn't come up with that. No, and absolutely it, it, not. And you're right. It doesn't make
1: sense. It doesn't make... It's like you hear it and you're like, that's cool. But you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why is she in the tattoo parlor? <laughs> it makes zero sense. Now... They cover, so she's having this legal battle. At the same time, they're doing lighthearted scenes as well. There's ones where Alexis and Tess are planning Gabby's birthday party. Gabby is underage, by the way. Uh, both Tess and Alexis are 18 or 19. So they're like, we're doing a pole dance routine for you for your birthday. And Gabby's like, this is my 16th birthday, not some kind of horror party. So they're doing these type of scenes at the same time as this courtroom scene. Did you watch this show? I did not. Okay. After the arraignment, Nancy Joe goes back to the Nears' home for their interview. And here's some highlights from this uh, (laughs) when she goes back to the home, because I just have to squeeze them in. She says she gets into the home. It is a brightly lit suburban home. They live in, I I think, Thousand Oaks. She says there are religious talismans everywhere and floor standing statues of Buddha, which Andrea, Alexis's mom, said she purchased at the closing of a Thai restaurant. (laughs) So she like went to a Thai restaurant, like going out of business sale and bought all these Buddhists to decorate her home with. Is she a Buddhist? She is an insane LA religious, like she considers herself a minister of the secret, the what? book. What? That's what she calls herself, like an unofficial minister of the secret. She's really, like they, they pray in some of the scenes, like they'll hold hands and pray, but it's all kind of uh, self-help stuff. So I don't know that she's Buddhist, but she's like everything, like right. a little bit of everything, right? Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I just love. Yeah. <laughs> and they pray in front of those statues every morning, by the way. Now, uh, <laughs> Alexis, uh, as I said, she has this younger sister, Gabby. Gabby had recently lost 40 pounds. And she said, my mom has a machine that sucks the fat out of you what? upstairs in their bedroom. Now, <laughs> Andrea has an assortment of new age beauty equipment, including a, a plastic face mask, that mask, probably like one of those light masks or something like that. But it was before it was really popular. And then there was the fat machine, which Alexis described as an infrared hot dome that melts your fat off. <laughs> Can you imagine putting that on your teenage daughters? She put it on her kids? Yes. Her 16 year old daughter. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, this is the level of LA we're dealing with. It's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) Like a fat burning machine in your house cannot be good. I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. One
0: that you can afford to buy if you're not like
1: absurdly rich. Right. And have like a, a doctor doing it or at least a plastic, like a medical nurse or something like that seems dangerous. It seems really dangerous. And this is like, over ten years ago too. So or it's just like a taken apart microwave. Who knows what the fuck it is? A fat melting machine. That just seems wrong. Right. So the reality crew instructs Andrea um at some point during this interview, because they're filming her to say, Everything's gonna be okay, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> like they tell her to say that to her daughter. I like how that's not her instinct. Right. Like, she has to be instructed. Now during this day, Nancy Jo Sales, the writer, said she felt like she was on a bad flight that she couldn't get off of. Like, they're just filming this reality scene. Um, Gabby, the 16-year-old, is, like, the voice of reason on the show. Like, she's that character uh, where everyone else is insane, including the mom. She There's, like, a scene, like, she's waiting to interview her. There's this scene being filmed where they're arguing about her parenting, like, the mom and Gabby. And they're being coached the whole time by producers and they end the scene with Gabby saying, mom, you're finally getting good at parent. Like that's good parenting. (laughs) It's like that kind of stuff. It's just crazy. Tess and Alexis, by the way, at this point are starting to fracture their relationship. Tess is a Playboy cyber girl. I guess that was a thing back in 2009. But she had been caught smoking drugs by TMZ. And drugs. That, that's what it said. <laughs> drugs. I actually knew you were going to be like, drugs? What, which drugs? It literally said she was caught smoking drugs. But that's that could, what it said. But I that, have no idea. Desi, that could be so many different things. But maybe they just saw her and they didn't know what it was. Well, how'd they know it was drugs? Maybe it was like a pipe. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, so... That's what it said. She, which sullied her Playboy, repre- um, her Playboy rep because I, I guess Playboy is like a good girl. Yeah. This is not hustler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hustler lets you smoke drugs. Yeah, <laughs> and they encourage it. Now, okay, not allegedly, <laughs> uh, they also this her getting caught smoking drugs gets them a, a sponsor drops their show because of that <gasps> too. So it is a pretty big deal. Drugs. Jugs, Rachel. (laughs) Now, Alexis and her lawyers, who are constantly trying to shut her up, obviously, and cannot, they eventually sit down with Nancy Joe Sales, finally, for this interview. And she starts off by saying, I have a good statement to say. Now, Rachel- Yes. Alexis says to Nancy, I have a good statement to say. Like, calm down, lawyers. I have a great statement. She delivers the following monologue in her baby voice. As promised, Rachel will be reading the part of Alexis.
0: I am a firm believer in karma, and I think that this situation was attracted in my life because it was supposed to be a huge learning lesson for me to grow and expand as a human being. I don't think the universe could have really chosen a better person than me because this It's just not affecting me. It's affecting the media. It's affecting everyone. And I think that I'm meant to bring truth to all of this. I think that my journey on this planet is to be a leader. I see myself being like Angelina Jolie, but even stronger, pushing even harder for the universe and for peace and for the health of our planet. God didn't give me these talents and what I look like to be sitting around and just being a model or be famous or whatever path I want. I want to do something that people notice. So that's why I'm studying business, because eventually I want to be a leader. I want to lead a huge charity organization. I want to lead a country for all I know. I don't know where I'm going just yet, but eventually I can see myself taking a stand for people."
1: Thank you, Alexis. Now, when this speech ends, her mom Andrea says, "And so it is." <laughs> and that is part of her secret, like you have to manifest shit, right, With and so secret, it is she when she says this, she says, "And so it is, like this will happen, right? Well, did it? uh no now <laughs> <laughs> She also wants to make a statement about Nick on camera and that statement, she says, he's a con artist and he conned me into believing that he was lending them clothes and were left over from a season of being a stylist. And he was able to lend them for my fashion shoots in order to develop my modeling portfolio. So she does this statement several times with tweaks from producers in between. So I love that she wrote that huge statement. Which actually is quite redundant in a few places. <laughs> it is. Like she, it's like you edited that and didn't switch any of it. I honestly love this
0: statement because I love the ballsiness of comparing yourself to Angelina Jolie, but stronger. But stronger.
2: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. For full, important
1: safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting with rocket money. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. In December of 2009, Nancy Jo finally speaks to Nick, who by now has come out as gay. He had not come out publicly. because like parents didn't know he was gay. And we had questions about the relationship he had with Rachel. Uh, like, were, was he in love with her? So it does seem like maybe it was an obsession, you know, as a friend. He was certainly infatuated with her. Absolutely. So people then began comparing their relationship to Bonnie and Clyde and Clyde is often also you know people think he might have been gay as well so uh, Nick Prugo for sure was the prosecution star witness at this point uh, he did not relish this role he was Being called a rat by people. um, And he said, I'm just trying to help the police in any way I can. Now, at this point, he's living at home. He is attending the University of Phoenix online and starting to see a therapist. Since Lee had, since they both had been arrested, he tells Nancy Joe that they had not had any contact. He says, It was a real friendship, and this whole thing has been really hard. I still love her. He said that confessing had been a turning point in his life and he wanted to make it clear that everything he had in his possession that he stole, he had given back. It was really hard for me to do that, he said, but the stuff wasn't mine. So I am a piece of shit for taking it. He really was trying to make amends at this point. He said um, he wanted to make a formal apology to all of the celebrities. He didn't know how they would react. He had been in their personal sanctuaries, their homes. Um, so he did seem like he was at a loss for words when talking to Nancy Joe. She noticed that he had a shiny pair of black sneakers on and asked him where he got them. He said, a thrift store, 13 bucks. So on February 10th, the article in Van- Vanity Fair is published. The title of the article is The Suspects for Louboutins. Nancy, who is the writer of the article, almost immediately gets a text from Andrea, Alexis's mom. The text says, What are you? You are not even human. And let me just say, those are, are you, you are. That's how it's written. (laughs) What are you? You are not even human. Nancy ignores the text. Then several days later, she gets a call from Alexis. I'm sorry, Andrea, and doesn't pick up. Now she gets several of these calls. She's leaving voice messages. It turns out that it is Alexis calling, and she has left several voice messages. So according to Nancy Joe in the book, they were kind of strange. She would stop and start again saying the same thing over and over until she would be interrupted by her mother and they would start screaming at each other. Message one. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Neris calling. She sounded choked up. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed fuck. Message two. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nearest. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story, how horrible you. Then I could hear Andrea screaming, you lied, <laughs> Alexis. Just stop it. Stop it. Andrea, you lied. She didn't do it. Alexis, stop it. Stop it, mom. Uh, Andrea, you lied. Stop it. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Can you imagine hearing these? <laughs> Message three. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nera's calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. There's many things that I read in here that were false, like you saying that I wore six inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four inch little brown BB shoes. $29, Andrea yells. Alexis, every time you fucking yell, I have to re-record. <laughs> They're recording this for their reality show, and that's why they have to keep redoing it because they want to get it perfect for the reality show. <laughs> but they're leaving actual messages. Yes. So Nancy Joe has all of these messages <laughs> on her phone where it's like, beep, hello, Nancy Joe. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this is like high comedy. Okay. Now, at the time, there was a show called The Soup, with Joel McHale. It was pretty big. I guess it still exists now, but it's like, it was much more popular back then. It was a big deal. Now, back in the day, it was called Talk Soup. Yes. Do you remember? This talk- is when it switched to the soup though. Yes. Yeah, soup with John Henson.
0: <laughs> I think there was like two different hosts on talk soup. Yeah,
1: talk soup. I remember the John Henson one. There was, that was like dude. a lot of talk show heavy aspects. When Joel McHale took over, that's when it really focused on reality TV and internet clips. Yeah. Because by that, era, by that year, that was like the big thing yes. already. So I think they switched it to the soup at that point. Now, so The Soup ran this clip, which shows Alexis tearful sitting on her living room couch, making this um, call. Tess is there looking on sympathetically, wearing something skimpy. Andrea is stalking around the living room in an orange sweatsuit with earphones dangling from her ears. The background music is heavy and dramatic. The Soup's Joel McHale introduces the clip by saying, on Sunday's all-new Pretty Wild, Perputant pu- Alexis Nerez, who is waiting trial, has given an interview to Vanity Fair that turned out to be a hatchet job. She must feel so violated. It's like coming home to find you've been burglarized. <laughs> I don't want to live on this planet anymore, said one of the commenters on the clip after it was posted on YouTube. This clip goes viral like Pretty fast, like it's one of an. It's like an early viral reality show clip. The Soup will vote this the best reality show clip of 2010. It takes off big. That line is famous. It's like a gif now. I think uh, where you can just a see. You mean a meme? No, like you could get like a clip where she's just like, "Hello, this is Alexis Neers." Yeah, but it's become like a meme almost. Yeah, it's a meme too. But like, just, do you, there was like tons of gifts of that one line, right. just Available. Yeah, it's a meme too for sure. So yeah, now at this point, people are starting to um, plead their cases out in court. Uh, Johnny Dangerous, Johnny Ahar, he had a, a record. He had previously been to prison for uh, selling cocaine. Uh, he had other felony charges against him. So he pled not guilty uh, to all of those charges initially. He pleads no contest to basically stealing the Rolex watch owned by Orlando Bloom. On April fifteenth, 2010, he is sentenced to three years in jail uh he is released less than a year later in March of 2011 he does go back to jail for an unrelated thing in May of 2013 now on March 14th of 2010 pretty wild premieres on e uh, <laughs> this show is a is a mess now One of the big things that's in the show and is in the movie, The Bling Ring by Sofia Coppola, is that Alexis's mom, like part of their ritual is that she hands out Adderall to the girls every morning. It's like, girls, come get your Adderall. (laughs) Like that's on the show. Do they have ADD? I don't know. I mean, maybe, but it's just weird the way she hands it out. Like I have no idea what's going on there. People comment on it. The girls are often uh, topless on the show with blurred out tits, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and even though they're of age, they're still like pretty young. Well, some one of them isn't of age. No, she's not blurred out tits. The other ones are. They actually install a pole in the house for pole dancing scenes. Like the reality show puts it there. And a recurring theme on the show is that Andrea, the mom, is a MILF who is competing with her younger, hotter daughters, including Gabby, the 16-year-old. In an infamous scene, she takes Gabby bra shopping and tries to to buy matching bras with the teenager. And they put them on in the scene and look at each other in the mirror. (laughs) Now, uh, as I said, a typical complaint about the show is that this is an example of the downfall of our society. Joel McHale Uh, the host of The Soup quips Pretty Wild is like keeping up with the Kardashians without the intellect or moral center. (laughs) (laughs) They become soup regulars. And after the premiere of their show that night, they make a bizarre appearance on the Chelsea Handler show who had a show. It was her talk show was on E! at the time, right? So she obviously asks questions about the burglary. She says to Alexis, so one of you was involved in that burglary, huh? And Alexa says, well, I certainly would not say I was involved. I've been accused of many things. The press constantly is hounding me. We definitely use our prof- philosophy of the secret to get us through it. It absolutely works, says Tess. Handler says, you guys were in a movie together, right? It's called Frat Party. It was straight to DV in 2009. We had a love scene together, Alexis says. Alexis and I, Tess says, proud. Wait, what? No, they're not real sisters. But they're sisters. They're sisters, and they have a makeout scene in which Tess is topless in this movie. <laughs> so Tess also brags in this interview about dating Kid Rock. So who does that? So all is not well in reality TV land, though. After learning that Orlando Bloom is willing to testify her, Alexis agrees to plead no contest to residential burglary. She is sentenced on May 10th, 2010 to a term of 180 days with an additional three years of probation and is ordered to pay $600,000 in restitution to the (gasps) actor. During her stay at the detention facility, she is in the cell that Paris Hilton was in when she was arrested or had to serve, what was it, like one day in jail she did? In the same cell block while she's there is Lindsay Lohan. <gasps> but they never spoke to each other, <laughs> obviously. After serving 30 days, she is released. Now, the show is not picked up for a second season. In December of 2010, she is arrested again, this time for possession of black tar heroin. Rather than being sentenced to jail time, she is allowed to live at a luxury rehab facility in Malibu for a year. She gets to stay free of charge by the facility's owner who feels bad for her. Wait, which one did she go to? I didn't say, but what is it, Promises or something? Is that the big one there? Promises is the big one there. Okay. I mean, it's a luxury, so it must be that one. Now, Nick's lawyer, by the way, is eventually disbarred because of that confession. He gets in trouble for that, but he also has some other fucked up things. So he's like no longer allowed to practice law. Wow. Nick does start to blame him for confessing. Like he regrets the confession. Gone is gone is the Nick who was like I just want to do the right thing. At this point he's seeing everyone else kind of get off easy he's seeing alexis on this reality tv show and he knows he's going to suffer the huge consequences of all of this he's just really bitter now he hates seeing himself shut out he sees all these movies being made there's like a lifetime movie in production at this point and he's like hey like i, I should there. i should be a consultant on that like he's really bitter um, Lee is sentenced on October 26, 2011. She pleads no contest to burglary of Audrina Partridge's home. Um, what about taking the shit? In, re- <laughs> in- <laughs> She does not face consequences for the shit. <laughs> um, she gets a lot of charges dismissed against her for various reasons. Nothing very interesting. She's sentenced to four years in prison, though. Oh, um, wow. But... Oh, wait, this is funny. She has a prison coach. Now, this is a thing that people get when they're going into jail, like richer people. I think it's available to, you know, anyone could do it, but mostly rich people do it. Like, Mark, like uh, I think Bernie Madoff did it, like people like that. So she has a, a prison coach named Wendy Feldman who says she has taken full responsibility for her actions. Her attitude is that she was very much ready to go to prison and face the consequences Um, to be honest, Rachel has a learning disability. She doesn't have a high IQ and I find it hard to think she could have been the one to instigate the whole thing.
0: Wait a minute. Does the prison coach tell you how to behave in prison? Yeah.
1: They give you like hints, like here's what you need to do. (laughs) I would love to like interview a prison coach. Same. Cause that sounds interesting to me. Like here's how you survive prison. Basically that kind of stuff. It's not, it's for people who like like rich people basically. Of course, yeah. yeah. And in March 2013, after serving one year, four months, she is released on parole. Um the the Coppola movie begins filming in March of 2012. Alexis is actually a consultant on the film. She's played in the movie by uh Emma Watson. And Emma Watson tweets things uh about the character, including things like The character's name in the movie is Nikki. Nikki likes lip gloss, purses, yoga, pole dancing, Uggs, Louboutins, juice cleanses, iced coffee, and tattoos. Like just the movie's really funny. Did you see the movie? I haven't. It's good. Um, on October 19th, 2012, uh, Diana Tamayo pleads no contest to having burglar, burglarized Lindsay Lohan's house. She is sentenced to three years of probation and community service. um, I mean, um, pretty much all these people kind of get off pretty easy. Roy Lopez is sentenced in November of 2012. He also pleads no contest. He's given three years probation as well. Courtney Ames is sentenced in December of 2012 to three years of probation. She admits to stealing a jacket um, from Paris Hilton. Uh, So, you know, they all kind of get off. Now, Nick tweets goodbye world before he is sentenced to jail. He pleads no contest to burglarizing Partridge and Lohan. I mean, that just shows you how little evidence they had. They couldn't get them on all the other cases. Right, right. Um, so he is sentenced on April 15th to two years in prison. He receives a credit for a year of time already served and um, for good behavior, etc. and gets out, I think, a year early. Alexis, in an entry posted to her blog on April 2013, states that she had been Sober since she was arrested for the Black Tar heroin and has become a counselor interning at the facility. She got married to a Canadian businessman named Evan Haynes. They eventually uh, have two daughters together, Harper and Dakota. This is not the end of the near sales feud. I'll get into that a little bit more after this one last thing related to the movie. The major, the, the lead detective on the case, Brett Goodkin, who was also the person they brought in to uh, Nick confess to him, he is a consultant on The Bling Ring as well. He, um, at some point, he's like hanging on set. She offers him the opportunity to play himself in the film. He like puts Emma Watson in the back of a squad car, the whole like hand on the head when they get in the car thing. And uh, that's not allowed. Rachel, <laughs> a cop can't go on. Like, he is a detective on that case while it's still being tried. Uh, and that's a major reason a lot of these people got off really easy was because he did this. Wow. It lessened a lot of their sentences and dropped charges. Some of the charges were dropped because this guy went on the movie. And I guess it seemed like he was benefiting from yeah. publicity and all that. This guy's an idiot. The judge actually says, You guys got a break because of what happened. So, because this guy had to be fucking on camera, uh, that's that's the reason a lot of them got off pretty easy. Now, in May of 2013, sales book, The Bling Ring, How a Gang of Fame-Obsessed Teens Ripped Off Hollywood and Shocked the World is released. That is the book I used for this uh, these episodes. In the book, she says, I'm not just telling a story about burglars, which is a great story, but I'm telling a story about American culture and what, in, what went into the motivations here. So... All had been pretty quiet between Alexis and um, Nancy Joe the past ten years or so. In January of 2020, Nancy Joe Sales kind of rebooted the drama on what is around the 10th anniversary of the article and the crimes happening. She reups the article and prints a new sort of postscript about the aftermath that focused a lot on the drama with Alexis. In the article, she says younger people seem to find the clip incredibly funny, meaning the. Hello, this is this is Alexis Nears. I honestly never found it so. I also think there's an element of sexist cyberbullying in the way the clip gets quoted ad nauseum and passed around for those who revel in seeing a catfight between the two women of different generations or whatever. But she also had some harsh words for Alexis, like specifically, I don't think about Nears. I wish she wouldn't talk... She wouldn't think about me, but I think that might only happen when she takes responsibility for her role in the bling ring and stops blaming me for telling the story, which it was my job to do. Alexis accuses her, sees this article, and goes off. Now, she has a Twitter account. You can follow her there if you want. She sees the addendum. Yes, She says that Nancy Joe is just trying to stay relevant. They go back and forth on Twitter. Mostly it's Alexis accusing her of profiting off of her name. But she is still mad about that Louboutin mistake, Rachel. She will not let it go. Uh, She tweets about uh, this Louboutin shoes once again, that they were $29 brown BB shoes. <laughs> there's something so funny about it. like that being stuck in your craw. Like, do you know what I mean? And also being like, i they were BB shoes. <laughs> it's right, also right. Kind of like its own thing. um The weird thing, though, I mean, there's like this whole long thread. She posts screen grabs of texts, but it's just literally them going back and forth about these fucking Louboutin shoes. <laughs> and she, in Alexis's mind, this error. Invalidates the whole article, right? Which is insane because Nancy's like, you know what? Like, you talked about Louboutins all the time. One time you showed up, I fucked up one fucking thing. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter, right? And that's her position. Uh, and Alexis just won't let it go. And I think Nancy Joe, even though she seems a little stuffy, is correct. This is really about Alexis not wanting to admit what she did and she wants to be this innocent victim still all this time later and i think she might be a christian mom now like a blogger mom or whatever Mm -hmm. or she's attempting it at last at least now the other interesting aspect of this july before this addendum article came out on the 10th anniversary nears tweeted that she wanted nancy joe to come on her podcast and hash it out with her she posted on instagram uh, about this offer. She then DM'd Nancy Joe on Instagram saying, This isn't going to be some shame blame vest. It's an opportunity for us to have a healthy dialogue, debate even, around the article. Uh, Nancy Joe says, However, I saw that she was simultaneously trashing me on a thread on her Instagram, so I declined. I don't think. I would have wanted to go on her podcast in any any case, but once she saw her trashing her, she's like, "That doesn't seem like I'm walking into a, a a situation that's you know fair and balanced or whatever." See, this all makes Alexis seem worse.
0: Oh, absolutely. That she's keeps that she's still harping on this instead of it's ten fucking years later.
1: Absolutely. So, so Nancy Joe is like just. Fucking move on, drop it. Like, take responsibility for your role. Stop blaming me for telling the story. That was my job. Uh, I, and- lo- I
0: love also accusing a probably obviously seasoned journalist and author that they're just trying to stay relevant. That is so funny to me. Also,
1: it's pretty typical on an anniversary, you'd be like, hey, like, where are they now? Or like, let's re-up this article. Like, it's not unusual that Nancy Jo would bring up one of her biggest stories, probably, on the anniversary. And obviously, Alexis is also using that to prop up her social media following and her podcast, whatever that might be. So, yeah, I mean, Nancy Jo definitely seems like she's a little too upset, like, more upset than I would be about it all. I had a huge update on Nick Prugo at the last minute. I decided that I'm going to save it for an extended mini episode this week because it was just too juicy to tag on to the end. And I didn't want to skimp on any of the details and I didn't want this episode to be super bloated. So I'm going to save it for a really good, uh, mini episode. You're not going to want to miss it. I promise you this story is absolutely crazy. Uh, so I will have that for you on Friday. Uh, it is Nick's post-prison life that is a real fucking doozy. So yeah, that's all I have on this this one. Wow, Desi. <laughs> great, great part two. Sorry about my cats being rude as usual. They were super hyped. They're the bling ring. <laughs> honestly. They were excited for part two. I mean, we can't blame them. Just to reiterate to everyone, I have four cats. Yeah. They get they get really ha- excited when I come over. They
0: oh, whenever Desi comes over, they're like, "Oh my god, it's time to make a ton of noise! <laughs> Let's go
1: dig in the litter box for eight hours yeah. straight for no reason." <laughs> um, but yeah, so look for that on Friday. Yeah, we'll have you know our usual stuff at the end, but it'll be a good one. Absolutely, uh, the story is great. Uh, okay, bye. Can't wait. Bye.
2: Selling a little or a lot.